So church, our theme for the year is church matters. And if church matters, it matters how we church. You know, we've established well in our study through this that in at least 59 cases in the New Testament alone, we are told how we are supposed to relate one to another in the local church. So in other words, when it comes to how we do church, we're not taking a shot in the dark and hoping this thing works out. We're not just trying to find a way to make it work for us. But we have overwhelming clarity from God and how he has designed and desired this thing called church to work. And I hope this series, as we've gone through it, has been both clarifying and challenging for you. Now, I intentionally wanted to continue with this series here on communion night for this reason. The only reason that we have the capacity to do any of this with one another is because he's already done it for us. You think about it. We started with love one another. Hey, why do we have the capacity to love one another? Because he first loved us. And it's his love flowing through us that allows us to love one another. We've also talked about preferring one another. You want to talk about one putting another's needs in front of themselves. Think of what the Lord Jesus did for us. He paid a debt he did not owe. And praise the Lord he did. Brother Josh talked about bearing one another's burdens. Aren't you glad Jesus came to bear your burdens? We talked about praying for one another. That was timely. Remember that? The tornado sirens were going off. We were doing a lot of praying that night, weren't we? (laughs) Pray for one another. Aren't you glad he intercedes for you? Boy, this thing called church, honestly, if we keep it simple, it worked pretty well. God designed the church. God knows how it ought to function. Now we ought to function one with another. And so tonight, even as we prepare for communion, I want us to consider this thought that we're commanded to edify one another. Now the word edify, if you're not familiar with it, is an architectural or construction term. And it has the idea of to build up. In other words, we are to build up one another. That we, as individuals should be stronger and that we should be better because of our shared life and community in Christ. I love what Proverbs says in Proverbs 27 and verse number 17, iron sharpens iron. And so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. So tonight I want to look at this command and how it works to edify one another in the local church. So the Bible here, a little bit of a topical study, if you would, this evening, in how we edify or build up one another. I mean, first of all, how do we build up one another? First of all, we build up one another in how we speak to one another. We build up one another by how we speak to one another. Look with me at Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 29. It'll be there on the screen. Paul wrote this. He said, let no corrupt communication, let no garbage talk come out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of what, church? Edifying, that it may minister grace Unto the hearers. And so, one of the ways that we can very practically build one another up is in how we speak to one another. So, let's consider that. Church words are powerful. Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me was trying to put on a good front. 
Because the reality is words are powerful. Proverbs 18 and verse 21 describe it like this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words are powerful things. Not only does the Bible tell us words are powerful, but words are also picturesque, meaning they give us a picture of what's really going on down inside. Jesus told us in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 45 that a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. But an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, what does it say? His mouth speaketh. In other words, what our tongue does is it dips down into the well of our heart and it draws up from our heart what then comes out of our mouth. And so words are powerful. Words are also picturesque. They show us an image of what's really going on inside. And that's true. But here's a problem. Words are not only powerful and picturesque, they're also plenteous. (laughs) It's uh, estimated that we speak at least 7,000 words a day. If you're anything like me, I don't really remember 70 words that I said yesterday. Which means this, that over 99% of what I said yesterday, I don't know. Either it wasn't important enough to remember, or I didn't give it enough thought. And that, combined with words are powerful and words are picturesque, ought to give us pause. Amen? You know, our words, the Bible is clear, ought to be used to build up one another. Words, believers' words should minister grace to the hearers. What is grace? Grace is simply undeserved kindness. Colossians 4 and verse number 6 tells us this. Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Let your speech be always with grace. So that verse means that most of the time your words should be full of grace except when the boss man's unreasonable. Except when the neighbor does such and such. Except when the kids push my buttons. That's what that verse means, right? No, that let your speech be always with grace. What do you think that word means? Hmm. All the time. And so as believers, what is the standard? What does the Spirit want to do? The Spirit wants our words to minister grace, undeserved kindness to the people that hear. By the way, that covers all the bases. Because if they had to deserve kindness from you, guess what it wouldn't be anymore? It wouldn't be grace. If they had to deserve it, it wouldn't be grace. Because grace, by definition, is undeserved. Boy, I look at grace in the scripture. What is grace for? Grace is for getting back up. Aren't you grateful that the grace of God lets you get back up? You know what grace is for? Grace is for going forward. You know what grace is for? Grace is for growth. 
And the reality is our church ought to be a place where people hear grace-filled words that help them to move forward, that help them to get back up, that help them to overcome, that help them to fulfill their potential, that help them to keep on going, to help them find healing, to help them receive the love and forgiveness of Christ, that help them to seek King Jesus and his kingdom. That's what this church ought to be. A place where people hear words full of grace that help them and build them. Let me make a note here. Building up others, edifying others with our speech. It doesn't mean that we never have to say hard things. It doesn't mean that we never have to warn or even rebuke others. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 14, just a few verses past our opening text said this, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men. You know, sometimes edifying and building up does mean we have to address people that are heading in the wrong direction. It means we have to call them back to the right way, to the safe way, to God's way. So building up with our speech does mean that sometimes we have to say hard things. We have to warn or we even have to rebuke. But it requires in all things that we consider both our message and our motive. That we are seeking to love, to build up, to better others with our speech. You know, sadly though, there are quite a few who are quick to tear down. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15, Paul gives this warning. He said, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed of one another. And sadly, there's more than one believer out there who believes their spiritual gift is that of criticism. Who believes their spiritual gift is that of gossip or complaining. And church, that has to stop. In every and any context, that cannot be. So what does it call us to do? It calls us to stop and to think. It causes us to think about what we're saying. It causes us to think about why we're saying it. It causes us to think about how we're saying it. Because sometimes I have the right message and the right motive, but how I present it is just not like it ought to be. You think about this, if I ask my kids to do something, they could say, yes, sir. And that would be one thing. They could say, oh, yes, sir. That would be another. They could say, yes, sir. That would be the same message. But a very different manner in how it's presented. But i got to stop and think about it. Check my heart. What am I saying? Why am I saying it? How am I saying it? It behooves us to not be so trigger happy with our words. You know, it's the old, if you've ever seen the, uh, the Andy Griffith show and they're in Mayberry and he's got Barney Fife, the deputy. Andy would only ever let Barney keep one bullet in his pocket because Barney was a little quick on the draw. Christians sometimes a little more pause. And a little more purpose can go a long way in helping us build up one another for the glory of God. Amen. 
So how do we edify one another? Well, number one, we edify one another how? With how we speak to one another. So one of the ways we build one another up is by how we speak to one another. Let me give you another way the New Testament gives us that we can edify or build up one another. Not only by how we speak to one another, but we also build up or edify one another by how we serve and serve with one another within the church. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll go back to verse 11 for this. Here Paul was delineating out some of the offices and giftings of the church. And and notice what he's saying. He said, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give these gifts to the church? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the, what is it? The edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, the Bible says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Go to verse 16. We kind of see a summarizing thought of whom, speaking of Christ, the whole body, that means all of us, is fitly joined together and compacted about by which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of Every part. See, it's not just the pastor. It's all of we people. Every part. Making increase of the body unto the what? Edifying of itself in love. In other words, one of the ways that we can build up one another is how we serve and serve with one another in the local church. You know, God designed the church to function so that we naturally serve and strengthen one another. I love the illustration that Paul gives in, uh, in Corinthians 12 about the church being like a body. I've used this illustration before, but it's amazing when you think about it. As amazing as different aspects of our body is, none of really our body parts are able to, to serve themselves or exist independently. You think of the nose. The nose is wonderful. It can smell. The nose even contributes to taste. But I think I mentioned before, the nose can't even pick itself. And so the nose is dependent upon other parts of the body. You think about even your hand. Your hand is, is able to do wonderful things. Your hand is able to, to help. You know, you've got a pain or something on some part of the body. The hand is really useful. You know, the one thing the hand can't do is help or soothe itself. What does it need? It needs the other hand to come alongside. We are built to need one another. And we build one another up within this context because God put us all together. He placed you and he gifted you and he burdened you. Why? So that we could all come together and we build one another up in the love of Christ. We need one another. And our gifts are not meant to compete with one another, but to complete and to complement one another. I want you to consider tonight with me corporate worship. In other words, where we take the time where we, we as the church, we are the called out assembly. Uh, but we, when we come together and we actually assemble, consider with me corporate worship. What do we do? We come apart from the world. And we come together in Jesus' name. What do we do? We sing, we give, we preach, we teach, we encourage one another. Why do we do this? We do this to exalt the Savior and to edify the saints. You know, really, uh, this, this time of worship, it's not really about me. 
When I come to church, what am I going to get today? Or what preacher, take your best shot. What, what, how are you going to bless me today? When people ask, well, what does your church have for me? Well, there's a lot of things that this church has. But here's the thing about corporate worship. It, it ain't primarily about you. It's about coming together to lift up Jesus and to build up one another. I love what, how Paul puts it in Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 16. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So what do we have? Boy, that sounds a lot like corporate worship to me, doesn't it? We're singing together. We're teaching and we're preaching, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Go back, if you would, to the first part of that verse. What are we doing? We are teaching and admonishing. We are building one another it's a one another thing this thing of corporate worship it's about the master and it's about the ministry it's about lifting up jesus and building up others it's it's not about me it's not about performance it's not about one person you want to talk about dysfunctional worship you look at the church of corinth paul described a scene First, first Corinthians 14, verse number 26. He said, how is it then, brethren? I mean, at this point, Paul's probably like just, oh, got a headache, but that's all right. He said, how is it then, brethren, when you come together that every one of you has a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation? In other words, all of these people, they wanted to do all these different things, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to teach, and I'm going to speak in tongues, and I'm going to interpret, I'm going to do this. And we get the implication a lot of it was kind of going on at the same time. It was, it was a little bit chaotic. Paul said, it's not about you doing your thing. He said, let all things be done unto what? Edifying. In other words, it's not about you doing your thing. It's about the edification, the building up of the body. We don't come together to exalt an individual, but to exalt the Savior and to edify the body. And it's a beautiful way the Lord has put it all together. It is a natural and necessary function of being a church. And by the way, that's why I believe that it really is a natural and necessary thing for a Christian to be a part of a good local church. Because church matters. And God has designed it in such a way. That we come alongside one another and we are better for it. We do life together. And by the way, this building up of one another within the body, it happens outside at set service times too. You know, we ought to do life together. Use our spiritual gifts and spirit-granted grace to build up one another as often as we have the opportunity. You know, I, I encourage our church family, spend time together. Outside of Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, spend time together. Pray together. Do life together. Send them a card. Call them on the phone. Send them a text. Have them over for a meal. Show some hospitality. Do life together. And when we do, do you know what we find? We find that we just naturally build one another up. Edify one another. So how is it that we can build one another up? Well, we see first in the New Testament that we can build one another up in how we what? In how we speak to one another. In how we what, church? In how we 
speak to one another. We'll get there in how we speak to one another. Secondly, we've seen we can build one another up in how we serve with one another. Let me give you one more. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, if you would. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says here, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, and forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, challenging one another, building one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So how do we do it? We edify one another. We build one another first by how we speak to one another, how we serve with one another. And finally, we can build up one another by how we stir up one another. You know, you want to talk about being built up. And again, this is context of local church. This is context of us doing life together, exhorting one another, building one another, challenging one another. You think about this concept of being built up. And yeah, man, it's it's great to be built up. But you stop and think about how contrary that is to the natural order of things. The idea of being built up, it really goes against the natural flow of life. Let me ask you, the longer you live, do you feel stronger and stronger? Because there's a natural flow to life, isn't there? You want to talk about natural laws. What goes up must come down. You want to talk about even the laws of thermodynamics, the the law of, of, of physics that says everything in the universe is tending towards disorder and decay, the law of entropy. And that's true if you've ever seen my kids' rooms. So the idea of us being built up, boy, it goes against the laws of nature. It goes against the laws of physics. And by the way, it's true for the human heart as well. How easy is it for life to pull us down? Anybody ever feel good that you survived another week? Sometimes I've prayed that, whether it's right or wrong. Lord, thank you that we survived another week. Life pulls us down. Difficulty, doubt, despair, tear at us. Sin wants to tear us apart from the inside out. But you and I as believers have the privilege of being a conduit of God's grace into the lives of those around us. And in doing that, we can help to defy the laws of of nature around us and we can build one another up. What a glorious thing. What a powerful thing to be a conduit of God's grace. Hebrews 3 and verse number 13 tells us this, but exhort one another daily, encourage one another, challenge one another while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hmm. 
In our verse in Hebrews 10, in verse number 24, when it means to provoke one another to love and good works, it means to incite or to stir up one another. It has the idea of the coals that have died low and and they're stirred and they're blowed on and, and they're brought back to life. It's a part of how we exhort. It's a part of how we edify. In other words, I don't just want to be a conduit of God's grace, but I want to be a catalyst for God's glory. A catalyst to something that you add to make a reaction start. In other words, because your life is interactive with mine, I want your life to be radically different in a positive way. And we as Christians have that capacity. As conduits of God's grace and as catalysts for God's glory. You know, I can think about ladies in my life, so older ladies who went to the church I grew up in, and they were determined to be uh, conduits and catalysts, and sometimes, rather aggressively, I might add, encouraged me to pursue ministry giftings that God had given me. And I say sometimes rather aggressively, because sometimes as a teenager or a college kid, I was like, really, again? But you know what? God had put it on their heart. You know what they were going to do? They were going to come alongside a young man and seek to build him up for the glory of God. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we just need somebody to come alongside us and see something in us we don't see. To to stir something within us that maybe we don't recognize. You know, a lot of us are happy being comfortable. But maybe God wants you to go a little bit higher. And maybe God wants somebody to come alongside you, encourage you, provoke you, stimulate you to go a little bit higher for the glory of God. Boy, what a privilege that we get to come alongside and strengthen and stir others to go higher and farther for God than maybe they even think is possible. Boy, church, that's a blessing, isn't it? Edify one another. What a beautiful thing God's given us in the local church. Church matters. It matters how we church. You know, my prayer is, church, that as we look at these love one another, prefer one another, bear one another's burdens, pray for one another, edify one another. I want to be a church. My prayer is that Harvest is a place where people can come and be built up in the Lord. And why can we do that for one another? The only reason we can do that for one another is because of what what Christ has done. For us. All of this is possible because his body was broken and his blood was shed.